Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Mary Ann a registered nurse who during her near-death experience had seven spirits around her, and today we're going to learn about it. Marianne, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, Marianne, if you don't mind, can we start on the day that your near-death experience happened and go from there? Sure, sure. And um, I also am an artist, and I did a painting of the experience, so I will show that while I'm talking also so that people can kind of get an even better idea of what was going on. But, um, but I was very sick and, and ended up that uh, um, I closed my eyes for a moment, and then um, something started happening in the room, and I said, no, 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 you, you just... You have to be dreaming. You close your eyes. Just turn your head and, and look. And then that's when I it was like an elephant was sitting on my face. I couldn't get my head turned. And uh, now I know how my patients have felt that were unresponsive, but yet they were opening their eyes. They probably wanted to respond, but they just couldn't. And that's how I was. And uh, I finally got it turned and opened my eyes. And there were seven spirits around me. And um, and I will show you the painting so that you can see what the spirits looked like. They were just gray forms. And there were seven figures around me all together, three on each side and one at the foot of the bed. The one at the foot of the bed was in a monk's robe. And I have since been trying to figure out why. And the other six were just transparent figures. The one on the right side of me leaned forward and he said, your eyes are, are open. You're not supposed to have your eyes open. And all I could do was just look at him. I couldn't speak. Um, I was trying to figure out what was going on because I had no idea that I was that sick. And I didn't have a hallucination because being a nurse, I took my temperature. There was no fever. There was, uh, I hadn't had any drugs. I was too sick to hold any medicines down. So I didn't even have any medicine. And uh, I was breathing fine. So there's nothing that they say usually causes hallucinations that had caused anything. So um, anyway, um, then I looked over to the right and the room turned into another dimension. I was still in the room, but it opened up. And there were three footbridges across 
three chasms, three deep, dark chasms. And I thought, oh, I would hate to miss those bridges. But then there was a light beyond the uh, bridges. And, and then I also thought, oh, I'm glad that light's there to guide, to guide me over them. And um, I, I don't know if this was the beginning of a life review, but there was a little girl with dark hair and she was on the first bridge, just starting to go over it. And um, I said to myself, I think that she's going to miss her family because I knew she was going to go and I knew I was supposed to go. Then um, this thought came to me. I had a, a son that was about 12 years old. I had two sons and one of them, I just knew he would go to jail if I wasn't around there to keep him, uh, keep him as much out of trouble as I could. And by the way, he's a fantastic man now, but <laughs> uh, at that time, I thought of him, and this big, booming voice said, no, she's not ready yet. And then, as I was still watching everything, it all just kind of faded away, and until it was, it was gone. And I just marveled that I was fine. I felt good. I no longer had what, what was bothering me. Um, I was cured, basically. It was like a miracle. But um, that's pretty much it. Um, it was kind of short. I didn't get far enough into it. I think if I had stayed in the experience longer that those, those transparent figures would have become more formed to me and I could have to, uh, made out who they were. But as it was with it just being the beginning of an experience, um, that's pretty much pretty much what I got out of it. But I felt this love, this, this tremendous love while all this was going on. And I knew it was coming from, I don't call him my father. I call him my dad. Mm. There's a difference between a father and a dad. I think, you know, if you have one of those dads and that was my, that was my dad. I still call him dad mm. and talk to him. Uh, I don't always hear him, but <laughs> I still talk to him. And, uh, and that has changed that I felt that love. And that I also imbued love. I wanted to just uh, let every homeless person into my house. I wanted to pick up every um, stray that I saw. I really had to fight that. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm going on now a little past the experience. But that's, that's the main experience. Well, thank you for sharing your experience, Marianne. I know you couldn't make out who those spirits were, but do you have any idea or any guess who the spirits were, including the one in the monk's robe? Well, I had thought about that a long time. And then I remembered I had a great grandmother. We called her Busha. And she was of the Catholic religion and she belonged to um, the third order of St. Francis. And um, they, they go by the... Um, theory of what how St. Francis said that you should live and she actually was buried in a monk's robe so mm -hmm. I thought I wonder if that was great grandma but she definitely was in charge whoever was the monk was definitely in charge and I had a dear love for St. Francis so I couldn't imagine that I would be that important that he would be there but um, those two kind of came into my thoughts but I still don't really know I won't know until I 
go again, I guess. What about the voice that spoke to you? It sounded like you said it was male. Did you recognize that voice? No, no, but I took it as being a big, a big angel that was in charge of everything, like an archangel or something. It's when, I mean, it was big and it was booming and it was like it came from way, way out there. Like Hmm. he, he was large. This archangel is the one that you considered your dad? No, 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 no. God was my dad. Hmm. Our father who art in heaven is my daddy. I don't remember you having contact with God. I just remember the big booming voice telling you to go back. Where was God? Or can you tell me how did you see God in your experience? I think that light that was showing away was the light of God. I think he was just waiting. I think we all go to the light. I had a dream after that about a month later where, um, cause you know, you always wonder, did this really happen? You know, do I need to pray about this to know if it really happened? And I had, I, I did that painting also, but I, an angel came and took me to another room while I was sleeping. And he said, this is another way to go. And we all, we all, there are many ways to go where we go to the light. Do you feel like if you would have crossed those bridges, you wouldn't have come back? Oh, yes. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I knew if I did, or if I missed them and fell into the chasms, I don't think I would have come back either. How did you change after this experience? I changed mostly by not worrying so much. Um, I guess I wanted to be in control of everything all the time and um, I wanted my sons to behave just the way I wanted them to behave, do what I wanted them to do. Um, I got a lot easier on my sons. I was sending them to a private school for high school and they they hated it. And so um, I told them that they could leave and go to whatever school they wanted to go to then for high school. And that was a really, really big step for me because um, I wanted them to turn out the way I wanted them to turn out, you know? Mm. Um, So I let loose of a lot of things changed me that way. I didn't worry about anything anymore. And I definitely didn't worry about dying. In fact, I look forward to it happening again. Not, not the part right up to it. You're going to have pain right up to it. But when you get to the, to the uh, part, eventually it's going to be great. You'll see. It's going to be great. What about the way you practiced as a nurse? How did that change? I became a hospice nurse after that. Uh, I think that was part of, uh, we all come back wanting to know how we can use this experience to help people. Most people do anyway. And um, I found that way was my way. And uh, I never felt more fulfilled than helping people at the end, especially people that were afraid. And the ones that I helped the most were the atheists. Um, They told me later that that has helped more than anything that anyone's ever done for them, more than any preacher, more than any religion, more than any uh, people just trying to talk to them, just telling them about the experience really helped them. And, And they weren't afraid anymore. They believed there really was something there. You mentioned that you were Catholic. Did this change your faith at all? No, I still try to go to church, but I really don't worry 
so much if I don't get there. Like I, like I used to always make sure I got there. Um, and I'm glad my mom is dead right now because she wouldn't want me saying this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still, I still really like getting communion. Um, but other than that, I can pray to God in my backyard. I can meet him anywhere. So, uh, religion, I guess has become a little less important, but I still think it's important for people to have some way to connect with God. Some people, that's all they have. Mm. I was fortunate. I could connect very easily. Has the memory of this experience faded over the years? No. In fact, I was afraid of that. That's why I did the painting because I was so afraid that I would forget about it, but it's just like it happened yesterday. It is so, uh, it's so strong. Hmm. Now I don't, I don't get emotional and cry about it. Like some people, it's still so strong to them. If they talk about it, they begin to cry. I still don't, I don't do that, but I never was a big crier. You can't work in hospice and be a crier or you'd be crying all the time. Did you have the ability of painting before this NDE or did you get that after? I was born with that ability. Uh, in fact, I ruined pieces of furniture and all kinds of stuff when I was little. But I got, I noticed that I was better after the experience. Did you have any negative after effects after the experience, like being depressed because you want to go back there or anything? I did want to go back. Uh, I'm a very hard person to depress. So I can't say that I really, I really got depressed. Um, I just don't have that gene in me, I guess, to be depressed. What inspires you about your experience? What inspires me is I wish everyone could have had one. Um, because, you know, you believe and you hope and, but to actually know that there is something there bigger than us waiting for us, actually, um, that is such an inspiration. And uh, it's just, it's just kind of unbelievable that, that it could happen, but it did and it does. And there's nothing that I, that I doubt anymore. If someone comes up with any kind of really weird thought or idea, I, I don't right away turn them off because of the inspiration from my NDE, I guess. But it, it's very inspiring that, uh, that it could even actually be there. And if everyone could just experience it, there wouldn't be any, the world wouldn't be in the shape that it is. Did you tell your friends and family about it? And if so, how did they react? <laughs> the first one I told was my mother. Because um, I, I was, uh, I worked midnights and I was supposed to pick the kids up and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to, I just, I couldn't walk or anything. So she, when she, as soon as she came in with the kids, I told her right away and she just acted like she didn't hear me. She said, well, what do you want for supper? <laughs> that was her response. And I, I said, mom, what did I just tell you? Oh, you were probably dreaming. No, 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 no. I was not dreaming. Um, so that was my first response. I tried to tell my priest about it. 
he said, it probably had to do with my being a nurse. You know, the people that you wanted to believe you that were of some kind of authority or importance didn't. So then I told just my close friends and then they believed me. Thank God for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I found IONS, which is the International Association of Near-Death Studies. I found them, there was a local chapter here in St. Louis, Missouri. And I started going to those meetings. And so those were like, like-minded people who had had near-death experiences, who got together to support each other. And so then, then I started doing that. And that was, that was a wonderful thing to come across too. They have them in every state. So if anybody, you know, I'm gonna put in a plug for them. If anybody uh, needs someone to talk to, look, look IONS up, International Association for Near-Death Studies. Um, it was founded by uh, PhDs and uh, doctors and um, a lot of good people in there. Just look them up the, uh, on, uh, on the internet. They have a website. Uh, yeah, you'll get support if you look for it. After your experience, did you notice that you had any new cognitive abilities that could almost be considered psychic? Yes, I did notice that... Um, I would have dreams that would come true, but my, my dreams were never good dreams. It wasn't things like I dreamt about the tsunami that was over there. What do you do about a dream about a tsunami? You know, you, you just pray for for the people that are in the tsunami, I guess. And I would dream if my friends, I had a real good friend and I dreamt she, she died. I actually just dreamt she was on a, um, stretcher going in the hospital where she got cancer and she almost died now she asked me not to tell her if i dream about anything else again but it's always about that it's always about things of of uh, that are bad that i get these dreams so i really didn't care for that well i guess you can't really block your dreams but do you try to stop that no but i do keep track of them and uh sometimes i'll dream about something years in advance and so that's why uh, it's good to record your dreams and then go back. And then you can see that, yeah, two years ago, I dreamt about that same exact thing happening. Because um, it could be, it could be that long. I'm trying to think, it seems like there were other things. Hearing, my hearing is so acute that, uh, that uh, I'm a pain to my husband. Hmm. I don't want him to turn the TV up. And he constantly says, it's too low, it's too low, I can't hear it. Um, and sometimes I have to go in the other room. I can wear earplugs and still hear when he's talking. Um, so so my, my hearing is really acute. Um, I feel pain. Uh, I used to be very tolerant of pain. I feel pain a little more. Um, you know, the senses, the senses have changed a little bit, all of them, it seems like, but not a whole lot. And as far as the psychic, the dreams are, are the main thing, I guess, because everyone has little psychic things happen. Like you call someone and they say, oh, I was just going to call you or, you know, those those things happen normally to everybody. Do you have any other paintings you can show us? I sure do. So they're in the other room. Well, I'll show you this one of my dream. 
first because I brought it in here with me where the angel told me this was another way to go. It looks like I see a light, a bunch of candles. A bunch of candles. I think I need to bring it out further. That was the dream worse. Oh, and I started doing other people's near-death experiences. That uh, These are the ones that are in here. When I joined Ian's. Now, here's a friend of mine. See if you could see it. It looks like angels handing a taking a being or yes it was, she was four years old when she had that and i'm trying to talk loud because i'm behind the camera right and the angels took her up and they handed her off first to her grandma and then the grandma gave her to jesus and it was jesus hmm. she hmm. had drowned and at the bottom is where they're working on her doing cpr that's that one this one i wish there was a way i could tell this is the tree of life someone saw mm-hmm each leaf was alive. I don't know if I can get it up there close enough. Some of them mm-hmm. you can see have faces. It's cool. Each leaf was alive with faces, and that was hers. This lady saw a circle and all these spirits going into the circle of light. Mm-hmm. That was hers. There's more. They're great. I think it's a great idea that you're doing other people's NDEs. Yes, yes. Well, that angel told me others are going to see. Okay. Do you publish Do you publish these anywhere, like a website, so everybody can see them, or on your Facebook page or something? They're on. They're on uh, the photos in my uh, Facebook page, but I don't know who all looks in there. This one. Can you see this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. This one. The guy said at first everything was black. And then as he was taken up in this blue smoke, he hit a distinct area where it turned from black to buttermilk blue, he called it. And there was angels and two sets of grandparents. He was hard to work with. His name was Earl. There were streams of light to the left and the right. Yeah. And he says those were moving up and down, up and down. I said, Earl, I can't uh, really do that. (laughs) So he took it as it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is the name of your Facebook page? So if people want to look at these on your Facebook. Oh, I I didn't want everyone to know my last name. So I just put my name as Marianne. Okay. So they just go to, is that okay if everybody goes to Marianne and then they can find sure. him? Sure. Would for it, this, yes. Would it be okay if I put a link in the description for people to find them? Sure. This one, the guy told me he went to the right. I can't see the guy. You have to move it over a little bit. There you go. Yeah, he went to the right, and he saw two spirits in robes. We've got those robed guys again. Mm -hmm. And one cloud above had rays coming out from it, Mm -hmm. and then to the right was a a cross. Hmm. That was his. And I got one more here. This was Peggy's. Peggy was... The leader of the Ions group when I joined Ions. Do I have it okay? I have most most of it to the right a little bit. That's a little better. Okay, good. Okay. Peggy said she couldn't really see those two spirits that were there, but she knew there were two spirits. So she wanted me to put them in the painting. And hers had gold sparkles all over in the sky. And That's everybody cool. loves Peggy's. 
It's good. And it's you've done a good job trying to interpret what they've seen, which is almost indescribable for most experiencers anyways. Yes, yes. And that's that's what I do. I work with them. And then I make an extra painting for them. I do two at a time so that their gift from me by letting me show their experience is that they get a picture of it, a painting of it. That's a great, good job. Thank you. I think you're the only painter that I've, you know, I've met. I've met a handful of painters that are experiencers that actually has, have done what you're doing. Well, I feel like I was meant to do that. That's great. (laughs) Have you had any other paranormal experiences besides the dream? Well, when I first started painting the, um, the dream of the angel, I made a circle of light in the middle of a dark surface. And I was working midnights. Then I was still a working nurse. And when I went back to it to try to do it, I noticed that my circle wasn't a good circle anymore. It was kind of messed up. And the more I looked at it, it had formed like a face. Now you have to kind of look as if you're looking through it. But uh, the circle turned into a face, and I'm going to show you that, hopefully. Can you see it? Move it to the right just a little. Yeah, I feel like I can see the face. The face kind of looks to the right as well. Yes, and it did that on its own. Hmm. It was just a circle before. So that was a very, very paranormal thing. And I was going to church again, trying to figure out, what is what is all this? You know, uh, is it real? Am I going crazy? And uh, when I came back, I had a whole. I lived in a different place, and I had a whole wall filled with paintings, all different kinds. The ones of the near death experiences, when I got home, had come off of the wall and was in the middle of the room. Hmm. Even if an earthquake had happened and they got thrown off, surely the other ones would have got thrown off too. Do you feel that painting these near-death experiences has become like an obsession for you? More than just a passion? Passion. Yeah, I'd say just a passion. It was maybe an obsession at the beginning. That's all I could think about at the beginning was what happened. Mm-hmm. But, gee, that was how many years ago? Almost 40 years ago. You better get used to something over 40 years yeah. or you're going to be <laughs> or you're gonna be in big trouble. <laughs> do you feel like you think about your experience every day? Yes, I do. I can tell you that, but I Is do. It- is it something that like you can't escape? It just happens. You're just, you know, you're through every day. You just find yourself thinking about it without any intention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's there. No matter what I do, it's there. But it's it's reassuring for everything that happens in my life also. But I have to be careful because some people just don't want to hear about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you're in the right place because pretty much everybody here wants to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. 
after watching this podcast, people may want to ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, can they email you or message you on Facebook? Sure. Either one. All right. I don't know if I want to give out your email address. Um, I don't check my email address that often. So maybe it's best then that they just message you on Facebook. Yeah, that might be better. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Hear my cat. Yeah. One last positive message. Don't be afraid to die. It's it's the worst part is getting there. But when you when you do get to cross the border, you're gonna have the most wonderful experience in your life that you never forget it from day to day just like it happened yesterday that's the best i can give well that's a good message marianne and thank you for giving that to us and thank you also for being my guest today well thank you for asking me jeff Mm -hmm. you're a very nice host well thank you have a wonderful rest of your day you too Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.